Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right, as we try to get things ready this morning up here, that was really, that went really, really quick. Hey guys, again, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, maybe you're here today in your regular part of Encounter and you're looking up here right now and you're thinking, Pastor, this looks a lot different than normal. Uh, normally you'd get to just hear me for about a 35-minute span, but today we're going to approach things a little bit different. Uh, we're going to take the next few moments and we're going to process through what is a healthy marriage, a healthy family look like? And, and what are the steps that we can take? Because how many of you would agree that if we take the steps, if we push forward, if we um, intentionally press forward, we're going to see good results? Okay, let me try that again. Well, good morning and welcome to Encounter Church. All right, everybody get your caffeine. Do we need like caffeine shots this morning? I mean, espresso. What do we need? What do we need? All right. So we're going to take the time over the next few moments. We're really going to process through healthy marriages, healthy relationships, and how this works in our lives. Now, let me put a disclaimer in there. There's some of you in the room, when I began talking about this idea of marriages, instantly you thought to yourself, why did I come this morning? Because I'm single. This doesn't apply to me. I'm doing good single. There's no reason for me to listen to this. Well, truth be told, everything we talk about this morning can be applied to any and every relationship that you have in life. And honestly, there's some of you in the room that you're single now, but there's coming a day when perhaps you'll have a, a spouse, a husband or a wife. And why not learn now beforehand? Man, I, there were, there's times that I wish that there were things that I would have learned when I was younger. When I got into marriage, it would have been a whole lot easier, yes? I know everything's perfect, right? I mean, Never, never had an issue. 25 years into this marriage, and not once have we ever had an issue. Let's move on. All right, so I've got five people up here with me this morning. Um, some of you are familiar with them. Some of you are not. But I want to take just a moment. I'd like for them to, to share with you the credentials of why they're sitting up here today, uh, why we should listen to them today and, and how that applies to what we're talking about. So just for a moment, let's start over here. To my left, we've got uh, Chris and Kim Mabry. Why don't you guys tell me just a brief highlight of who you are and why we should listen to anything you have to say today. Oh, boy. Um, uh, probably back in 09, 010, we came out, we came out of uh, youth pastoring for 10 years. And um, so we we took about six, eight months off and just, you know, got ourselves, you know, kind of built back up or whatever. And so we said, okay, what's next? Because we're, we're the type of people that we don't just sit around. We're, we're going ministry-wise. I was raised in it. She was raised in it. But anyway, um, she'd come home and say, uh, I talked to such and such at Walmart today, and they're struggling in their marriage. I'd be somewhere part stored. God would say, hey, me and my wife's struggling. So we both <laughs> looked at each other and said, oh, shoot, here we go. It's the new ride, you know. And so we have been doing that since, since then up to this point. Um, and we have such a passion to see marriages healed and, and healthy. Um, it just, I don't know, it makes me angry to see 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 them go through it it really makes me angry when i see divorce it just it just wears me down and i'm oh that's okay I, and, and not at the people not angry at the people angry at the devil for what he tries to do to families and to do to marriages and um so yeah that's how we got to this place we have we have healthy homes healthy families and um yeah i will tell you a little bit more about that lately later but it's just something that burns inside of us, a passion. So I'm hoping I'm like, not like open up a can that you don't want on like social media here, but I'm going to ask a question anyway. Um, you're not talking about divorce as if you've never seen it, never experienced it, never been there. Why should we listen to what you have to say when it comes to the divorce and stuff? Well, um, I went through a divorce 
and it just doesn't stop when you sign papers. It lives on forever because you're connected with that person forever. You may have kids, it may be whatever. You may not have no kids, but you still have been tied there. And it's just, um, it's a hard thing to go through. It, it does th things to you physically and mentally and spiritually. And you have, it, it's a fight. And, and it is, and, you know, I'll admit this, we have been married 27 years, almost 28. And I was married 10 years prior to that. Um, we still, I still deal with that to some extent, but I don't let it interfere here at all. Um, we have a fantastic marriage. We have, like I said, up and downs, but, you know, God, we put God centered in that. And, and it's so important, you know, to me that we have a solid, but it's, it's those, it's so hard. I hope okay. I explained that right. That's good. You did good. All right. Over here. Tom. Well, you know, when you go to college, you, you look for the curriculum and you don't see any marriage degrees. At least I didn't. And, uh, but Joellen did get her MRS degree while she was there. So, <laughs> you know, we don't, I don't have a lot of credentials. We've been uh, married for 38 years, and I think that's pretty much standalone credentials. So, uh, yeah. Do you have anything to add, Joe? We, when I, when I think about the word credentials, like he said, you can't go get a degree in how to have a wonderful marriage, but yet we have a wonderful marriage. It's not perfect, but it is amazing. And we started out wanting it to be amazing and it, at times felt like we were up and down and up and down we've kindly finally figured it out how to keep it amazing and that's why we're I feel like we were chosen to sit up here and, and visit with you because we feel like the key it's not a secret he's the key and as long as we run after him we are still running hard after each other after 38 years so that's Tom and Joe Black glad to have them up here with us this is my beautiful wife Angie um, and she's up here today because, well, she's my better half. So it just kind of works out that way. She's going to be sharing some things that, that God's laid upon her heart as well. But what I want you to understand on the front side of all of this, you're not listening to um, six individuals that are perfect. No. You're not listening to six individuals that have every single answer that got all the equations worked out. But you're looking at three couples, six individuals that are learning as we go along. So what we want to do today is really process through that and, and help every one of us come to that place where we have a, a thriving relationship with our spouse. Not a surviving, but a thriving relationship with our spouse. So to get us really thinking this morning, let me ask you this question uh, to really help you to begin to process where you stand in your relationship. What are you doing to make sure your marriage is strong and healthy? What did you do this week? What did you do this last month? What are, what are your plans in the future? What are you going to do to make sure that your marriage is strong and healthy? Now, maybe you're here today and your marriage is on the brink of disaster or, or simply holding on by a thread. Or perhaps you're here and you say, well, pastor, my marriage is good but if we're honest, there's always something that we can do to improve our relationships. So today, we're going to dig into that. And again, if you're not married, I, I truly believe that, that God can speak something into your heart as well. Here's what I've discovered. As I began to do a little research on this, I discovered that divorce has run rampant. In fact, statistics tell me that 41% of all first marriages fail. Now, I began to read that, and I was like, well, that number's down. It used to be around 50. So are we making improvements? What's, what's helped us to d d decrease by 9% over the past few years? Well, statistics also share that the reason we're seeing this number drop is more relationships, more couples are cohabitating rather than following through with the commitments of marriage. 
And then I'm told that this percentage of 41% of divorce in the secular world is not much different from that in the church world. 38% of first marriages in the Christian home end in divorce as well. But let me say this. The reasons for divorce are many. But they are simply an evidence of a deeper underlining problem. You see, if we don't have Jesus, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, if we don't have Jesus at the very root, the very core of our existence, if we haven't figured out how to move forward in love with him and the true definition of love, then we'll fail every time to truly move in the right direction, in the direction that God has us to move. Because oftentimes, what do we do? We base our relationships of the sitcom that we watch on TV. We base our relationships off the reality TV celebrity. That must be how a husband and wife treat one another. We base our marriages on how our coworkers respond. But truth be told, none of those are truly the example that God has set before us of how we are to move forward and function in our relationship. Ephesians chapter 5, which we'll get to in a little bit, explains to us exactly how the husband should respond and exactly how the wife should respond in marriage. And truth be told, sometimes we don't like to read Ephesians 5 because it, it really lays it out pretty clear. The wife is to submit to the husband, and the husband is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. Now, both of those are difficult, right? Ladies, we're at a point right now, and I'm just going to step out on the soapbox here while sitting. Um, we, we look at this idea of submit, and that's counterculture. Culture would say, ladies, don't submit to anybody. Stand up for yourself. You're a woman. Let them hear you roar, Right? But God says that the man should be spiritually the head of the home. Guys, if you're not leading your family, shame on you. That's a whole other sermon for another time. But man, it's time for each one of you gentlemen in the room to begin to lead your spouse, lead your wife in this pursuit of a godly home and a godly relationship. You see, we, we have our wedding, we say our I, our I do, we have our vows, we exchange rings, we kiss at the end, and we think, man, this is going to be the best marriage ever. Literally, I was doing a, a premarital counseling recently, and the couple on a questionnaire I have them fill out, it says, what is, uh, is there any things in your future spouse's life that really get on your nerves? And one of these couples said this, both of them said, there's nothing about them that's wrong. <laughs> They're perfect in every way. We're a perfect match. And I thought, keep dreaming. Because there's going to come a moment, come a time, that you're like, you realize you smack when you eat? Do you realize that you make weird noises when you sleep? You know, there are going to be things that pop out in this relationship. It may start out seemingly perfect, but you add a few years into that, maybe a few kids, a few conversations with the in-laws, a job changes, house changes, financial issues, the humdrum of life, and suddenly marriage isn't quite as sure as you thought it was going to be because you haven't put the time into it. What I want to talk about today is, is not giving up, not giving up, not throwing in the towel when things get difficult. You see, many times in our vows, we, things like this, we say things like this, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Till death do us part. Do you take this individual to be your spouse? And we respond by saying, I do. But we have a few hiccups, a few struggles along the road, and we say, you know what? I don't want to do that. I'm throwing in the towel. Now, Tom, in our discussion um, just about a week and a half ago, you laid out this statement that I love. You said that sometimes we feel stuck. What do you mean by that? What I mean by stuck is, you know, when the honeymoon is over and the, it seems like the newness has wore off, 
There could be couples that would say, I must have made a mistake. This, the fire is gone. When in reality, men and women think so differently. Guys, we think different than ladies do, than the, the women do. We are, it's water and oil, really, the way we think about things. So when, when, I, when I say stuck, I mean, you're, you're in a place where maybe you're stop, you've stopped communicating at a heart level. Maybe you're passing by each other in the hallway in your house, not saying a word, hoping that things get better. You're, you're just, you're stuck. You can't seem to break through that communication barrier. Uh, you're stuck in your intimacy. You're stuck in finances. You're stuck in your, your household chores. You're stuck in your job. You're just, you're just stuck and you don't know what to do. That's when trouble begins. Joe, do you have anything to add on that? I was just going to say, you think about a car getting stuck in the mud. Usually we don't drive through the mud on purpose with the idea, I'm going to get stuck. But sometimes you have to drive through the mud to get places. We do. We live on a farm on a dirt road. But you know what? If you get stuck in the mud, it's not about sitting in the car and just waiting for it to dry or getting out of the car and going and getting a new one and leave that one there stuck in the mud. You, you figure out ways to get unstuck, but you have to admit you're stuck. It's the struggle. It's the struggle is real. This side of heaven and growth, we've embraced the struggle that when we feel stuck, what's the struggle and how can we work through it? Because growth comes in the struggle. And when you work through that problem, guess what? It's something to celebrate, but guess what? You're going to get stuck again. But each time you practice that, it opens up. Absolutely. And sometimes we get stuck in that rut. So what do we do? We just hit that gas pedal harder. And we think if I just, if I just hit the gas a little harder, if I just spin, eventually I can pull out of this thing. But what happens? You dig deeper and deeper and deeper in the mud. And Kim, we were talking in this conversation about being stuck. And you said that sometimes we feel like the only way out is divorce, that we can't be stuck in this dead end relationship, the stuck in the mud relationship forever. So I'm just going to bail. I'm just going to open the car door. I'm just going to jump out. Whatever happens to the car, that's whatever. Is there another option? Yeah. I mean, I think that you, you know, especially as Christians, sometimes we can feel like in a place in our marriages, like we have two options and neither of them are good. You know, we can either be the good Christian and stay in this marriage that we're just barely surviving and we're miserable and Lord, am I going to be miserable the rest of my life here? Or we can leave. And we don't like either of those options, but those seem to be the only options. And our heart this morning is that there is another option, that God doesn't want you surviving your marriage. He doesn't want that either. He wants you thriving in your marriage. He doesn't want you just surviving, but he also doesn't want you to walk away. And so we want you to survive in your marriage as well. And, you know, one of the things to do that is I think a lot of times we can be, as Christians, we can be guilty of saying, you know, seeing somebody go through a struggle and say, just love Jesus, just read your Bible more, just pray harder. And you're like, I'm doing all of those things. And this is still a really bad place to be. And so this morning, it's just our hearts to give you some practical things Um, you know, to apply the word of God to your marriage and apply the word of God to your hearts and see that work. Absolutely. And Tommy and Joe, oftentimes when you guys are talking about marriage and we're going to get into what they do at the marriage retreat in just a little bit, but in your marriage retreat, you talk about the triangle principle. Yes. What is the triangle principle and, and how does that apply to our lives and our relationship with our spouse? Okay. Well, Here's, here's a, uh, just a, a physical triangle that you see, and there's a gap at the bottom. And the triangle principle means God is at the top of that triangle. And as you move closer to God, you're moving closer to your spouse. So the harder you run after God and, and, and try to please God, the, the closer you're going to get to your spouse if your spouse is truly running after him also. The problem is... At the bottom here, you've got a, what, what we call the chaos line. This is where people mostly hang out 
if they're if they're in marriages that just aren't in sync. They're just they're just not communicating. They're not they're not talking. They're, they're, things are in trouble. They hang around here on the chaos line, and whether or not your spouse wants to hang out down here or not, we need to be walking up this mountain towards Christ. He is the author and perfecter of our faith and our marriage. He created marriage between a man and a woman. He wants that to be the most exciting thing this side of heaven, to have that relationship. And when we hang out at the bottom, there's a gap in between. You hang out there long enough, there's a chance you may fall through. And nobody wants to fall through that chaos line. Joe. When I met Tom, we were both at the top of the triangle. We were at a Christian college. We were running hard after God. It was like as soon as we got married, we went right down to each of our corners. It's because it had not been modeled for us how to hang at the top and be married. And I put my marriage relationship with Tom ahead of my relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do everything I could to keep him because my parent, my dad was a pastor and, and my parents divorced. How does that happen? Well, I know now it's because we put God on a shelf and we try to make this the most important thing. This can't be the most important thing. That's the triangle principle. You can have a good marriage. When we were at the bottom of our triangle, we were praying. As you said, we were praying. We were reading the Bible. We were in church every time the door opened. Why did we still have chaos? Why did we hang out at the bottom? We never got to the point that divorce ever became an option, but we were separated in our minds and hearts. We slept in the same bed, but our hearts started kind of moving away from each other. And it's because we were seeking this more importantly than seeking God. But once I started, I decided, what happened to this husband who promised to be the spiritual leader of our home? What happened? So about 10 years into the marriage, I started running hard after God. At the top of that triangle is where I was hanging out. And God and I, together, we were cheering on Tom to come on up. And he's now the spiritual leader of our home. I love it. Being a submissive wife is a joy. We have a a scripture with our workshop that we'll talk about later, but it says, you make known to us the path of life. That's the path, the path towards God. And you will fill us with joy in your presence. Joy in marriage. If you're not experiencing joy in your marriage, I would venture to say you're not experiencing joy with God. And it's been, it's once we figured that out, that we're just hanging down there at the chaos line, divorce could have become an option. The longer we stayed there, one of us would have fallen through. I know we would have. My parents did. We wanted something different. We wanted to leave a legacy. And you can only do that if you decide to leave a spiritual legacy first. Absolutely. The Bible tells us to rid ourselves of anything that slows us down in the faith. So if we're at one point higher up on that triangle toward the top, but we're allowing all this weight to hang as baggage in our lives, it's easy to begin to slide down that slide. You kind of remember grade school, elementary school, you got on that slide. If you're our age, you got on that metal slide that was like 175 degrees and it went (laughs) the whole time you slid down. Come on, anybody else? But it's easy when you've got weight on you and you're not pursuing the right goal to slide down that slide. But if, as a relationship, as a husband and wife, if you realize that Christ has got to be the center of that, in your pursuit together, you're going to move toward God. And the closer you get to God, the closer you are to one another. Pastor, when we're each in a corner, we can't be further apart. Right. The only way to get closer is to start begin, to begin that journey, climbing up towards God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Chris, you talked about the core illustration which goes right along with what we're talking about in the triangle. What does that look like? We started out on with our ministry and when, when people would come to us and we told them, they said, there's a core and inside that little circle is you and your spouse and God. And it's the same principle as there. So I want to tell you right now, if you take notes, you better highlight this one because this, this is crazy how we do ours and how theirs ours is, is, so similar but our deal is that core is me and my wife and god 
And if that core is not intact, if it's not operating, if it's not doing what it needs to do, everything else around it is going to is going to is going to fail. And I want to say it like this: that next rim around that core is your kids. The next one outside of that is parents. The one after that is jobs, church, all friends, all that stuff. Because what we do is if any of those outer rings begin to penetrate the core, we check to see what's going on in that area. Because if we let that um, come in and, and separate us as a core with God, then it's all going to fail. I mean, everybody says, well, our kids, you know, we have kids. They're, they're our first priority. I'm sorry they're not. Because the word says, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And his wife will submit to him. Now, here's, this, here's that word again. There's nothing wrong with that. That's part of coming into that core. It's part of coming one. Um, God, God lays it out so much, but we, we allow ourselves to let everything else outside of that core be more important than that core. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and where's the core? You got to start rebuilding the core and, and that's tough to do when you got so much stuff pulling. Well, what I've seen in that process, I've seen relationships that are 20, 25 28, 30 years into this thing, suddenly the kids are out of the house and the husband and wife, they don't know one another because they haven't spent time investing in that relationship. Everything has been centered around the kids. Now we need to spend time with our kids. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the very first priority. God, your spouse, your family. Okay. Are we all all clear on this? And family, I mean your kids. And then it branches out, like Chris said a moment ago. But the very core, you've got to work on this relationship in alignment with the relationship with Christ. If we fail to do that, we allow other stuff, garbage, to derail us, and suddenly that core begins to break apart. You start to say something else. Um, I lost it. But, it, yeah, it's just um, the point we're trying to get across with that is is if we start struggling there we have somebody in that core has to go hey so we're getting a little thin here on the edges you know it may be god he may he may get both of you he may come to her and say hey we're struggling here y'all need y'all need to tighten that thing up a little bit because i want you know i he, we were talking about the kids um our youngest daughter is getting ready to get married and we still have taylor and uh but she's out of the home but you know we everybody says oh you're empty nesters you shouldn't have to be worrying about anything everything is great oh no we're getting back to finding ourselves again doing things that we used to do you know without the kids around and it's a tough process but it's a good process because i'm telling you you keep that core tight you keep that triangle tight man you Sky's the limit. Absolutely. Pastor, can I add something to that? Uh, When I think about that core, and it's a principle we also try to uh, share with people, you know, we hear the one plus one. We know the math is one plus one equals two, but when you get married, one plus one equals one. Well, we've decided one plus one still equals two until you add another one. In order to be one, it has to be one plus one plus the one. Otherwise, you're still just one plus one equals two, especially if you've claimed God. Because he will not let us be successful together in this. Once we told him we want him to be the center, if we kick him out, guess what? We become two. So that one plus one, that core, I love that example of what he said about their core together and how God can speak to them and they speak to each other. Oh, I was just going to add that I know sometimes we can feel guilty, you know, especially as moms, you know, our kids can tend to be our world. And so we can feel guilty when, you know, we put anything as a priority over our kids. But you have to realize, too, that if we're if things are messed up here, it is drastically affecting your children. If things are messed up here, it is drastically affecting your children. This has to come first, and then this has to come next, and they have to be in alignment. 
And, you know, like Chris said, we've got our youngest is getting ready to get married in June. And my heart is that we have prepared her for that, that we've done everything that we can with the Lord to prepare her for that. That, you know, if we hadn't put our relationship as a priority over our children, she would not be adequately prepared to go into marriage. Well, and truth be told, not only are you impacting your kids, but there's a potential that you're impacting future generations down the road. So what we do, guys, listen, listen carefully. What we do in our relationships, not just Sunday morning, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, every day of the week, what we do and how we respond to one another is preparing future generations how they're going to respond in marriage, but how are they going to respond to God? But maybe you're here today and, and you feel like, you know what, I'm the only one dealing with this. And, and I, can't, I can't voice that to anybody. I can't tell anybody because then what are they going to think about me? Are, are they going to be ashamed of me? Are they going to think different lo- differently of me? What's that look like? And so we feel like we're all alone. Okay, what's that look like? Well, I think that, you know, especially in the church body, you know, we come in on Sunday morning, <clears throat> excuse me, we come in on Sunday morning and we just, we sit down and what we see are families sitting all around us. And obviously, you know, we're in church. We're not seeing what happened on the way to church <laughs> or while we were getting ready for church that morning. And so what we see are families sitting around us that have it all together And so when we don't feel like we have it all together, when we're struggling in our marriage or in our family, um, sometimes we don't feel like we can go to somebody else because they have it all together. They're not going to understand that I don't. But that's not the truth. The truth is that if every marriage in here that you see struggles, has struggles, and marriage is work, but anything that is worth having is work. And so, you know, we don't want you to feel alone. You know, we sit up in here and you hear both of, you know, all three of these couples saying we have great marriages, and we do, but they're not perfect. I mean, if you've been around Chris and I for very long at all, you've probably seen me give him the look or, you know, hear, heard a little bit of a crossword here or there. It's not perfect. It's not. And like Joe said, it's a process. And in the struggle, if you choose to do the struggle together, you grow. You grow in intimacy. You, you mature together. And the Bible tells us that we are to look for ways, pursue ways to encourage one another. So I'm going to challenge on both sides, whether you're in a situation where you feel alone, when you feel like your marriage is in shambles, when you don't really see light at the end of the tunnel, or if you're at a place where, man, things are healthy, things are moving along, realize that none of us walk alone. In fact, a statement that we use quite often here at Encounter is, at Encounter Church, nobody walks alone. We need one another. You need the person sitting next to you just as much as you need that person on the opposite side of the room. So I challenge you, look for the opportunity to encourage and to help one another. Because here's the deal. Uh, we, we, we think, well, if it's not going well, I'm just going to exist in this. I'm going to hang out. But truth be told, if you don't do anything, you'll never see improvements. There's an old statement that says this. You miss 100% of the shots that you fail to take. If you just say, you know what, we're just going to ride this out. Things are going to get better. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Somehow, we're, we're gonna, this is just a season. We're going to make it through this. But if you don't do anything to bring about, bring about resolution, guess what? You're never going to find resolution. You're never going to find improvement. You're going to find yourself a year, two years, three years down the road if you make it that long. In the same struggle that you're in, just in the deeper ruts. Now, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Somebody speak to that. What does that scripture mean to you guys? Well, I'll, I'll speak to that. Uh, when we were first married, uh, we were in love and, you know, crazy kids. Hold it back up. When you were first married, you were in love? Yeah, and, and we still are. Okay, we're more in love now. Just needed clarity. I'm just just needed clarity. Wanna, you're good. You're good. You Whew. know, thanks for squaring me up there. Uh, but I was a very selfish person. 
And I know there's a lot of men in here that can relate to that when you really think about what you do, how you do it, what you want. And when I decided that that wasn't working very well for me in my marriage is when I truly began to honor Joellen by saying, you know what? I'm going to do what the Word of God says. I'm going to put her in front of me, of my needs. It doesn't mean you're, you become a, a, just a weasel of a guy. It, what it means is that you're taking a stand, and you're going to put your, your spouse first. When I decided to, to not be selfish, the selfish Tom had to, had to go on vacation permanently. And when I, when I began to invest in my wife, things changed, folks. Things absolutely changed when I stopped being all about what I wanted and what I needed. And I had to stop treating him like he was my kid or my second grade student. Women, we want to be in charge. We just do. Just like Eve wanted to be in charge right there in the garden. And Adam just kind of stood off to the side there. Look what it did for all of us. We have to step back, submit. God, that's capital T truth. God tells us we're supposed to do that. We're not, pastor's not telling you to do that. God's word tells us we need to do that. I'm to be devoted to him, treat him like he's my best friend, like he is the best man walking this earth. And in my heart, I feel like he is. It's caught up with it once we started practicing it. But I had to be respectful. I had to be devoted. I had to get out of my own way and get out of his way so he could lead me. I love the safety that it's provided for my heart. And I, I thank you for that, Tom. So that's that scripture. That's how we live Romans twelve ten out in our home. Absolutely. And a lot of times the issue we run into is we, we want to blame the other person. The reason we have marriage issues is because you do, or you never do, or you're just like, and we make all these excuses. You referenced Adam and Eve, and like how Eve wanted to be in charge, but truth be told, both Adam and Eve blamed somebody else. Eve looked at, looked at God and said, hey, it's that serpent, and then Adam, what'd he say? It's that woman you gave me. God, I'm not at fault. You're at fault, and she's at fault, but I'm innocent here. So if you want to see your marriage, your relationships improve, the first thing you need to do is begin to work on yourself. I'm going to reference a couple of, of books. Um, they're not marriage books, but they're, they're books to help you get to a better place mentally and spiritually with God. The first is one by Louis Giglio called Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Incredible book. Our life group actually went through it a couple times ago. Um, really processes through the 23rd Psalm. Um, it helps you understand that, that yeah, you, God has, is with you, but what's that look like when, when you've got your enemies all around you? And the Bible says, man, I told you I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to go into it. Psalm 23, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. And we think, why in the world would God place us in the presence of our enemies? But Chris, you said the other day that it's not just our enemies around us. What is it? Um, I want you to look at it like this. Is God sets this, this table, and, it, and it's a place for supply. It's a place for uh, strength in the time of whatever you're going through. And God gave me this a couple of years ago These on these scriptures. He said, Chris, I set a table in the, in the midst of your enemies. Who's at that table? And I got to thinking, man, my pastor's there, my wife's there, my friends are there. It's certain friends, not just any friends that's at my table. Um, but I'm sitting here, and I'm going through something, so I'm, I can look around that table and go, okay, there's, here's my issue. I can go to that person. I want to give you a heads up on something. Um, Joe and Tom, they just started here how long ago? About a year and a half ago, we've been here about six months, right in there. That wasn't a coincidence for you people. We're sitting at your table. God has placed us at your table. You have pastors at your table. You have Joe and, and Brittany at your table. You have a lot of people. You have board members at your table that if you're struggling in your marriage, 
you better look around and say, okay, here's the issue. We, we need to find who it is, but don't think you're alone in this because God has set people at your table. Well, the problem is sometimes we, we see all the enemies and we become overwhelmed and we, we hear that voice more than we do the encouraging voice and the spiritual voice that God's wanting to speak into our lives. We allow that chaos, right? Come on. We allow that chaos to, rain, to echo louder than the path that God has for us. So, Angie, there was another book that you wanted to reference called Find Your People. Talk about that for me. So we all need a healthy community. And what I say by that, or what I mean by that is that we need people that are going to draw us closer to God. And we need to watch out who we're surrounding ourselves with. We can't just surround ourselves with someone who's going to come along and agree. And on that same note, we need to watch what we're watching. What, what's coming into our minds? Like, are we on social media? Are we putting our self out there? Um, are we allowing people to private message us? Do we have parameters in place to safeguard our marriage? Because there's a... I was sitting Thursday at a... I guess it was fraud prevention is what we call this point. And they were talking about um, fraud prevention, and it had three points. It had pressure, rationalization. I can't say it. Rationalization? It's been a hard word for me. And perceived opportunity. And so um, the perceived opportunity could come through somebody private messaging you when you need to hit block or maybe you need to delete Facebook and Instagram. Um, It could also come from a compliment somebody makes to you and um, you just it just heads somewhere. You've got to safeguard yourself. I know for us, we don't text someone of the opposite sex without including, like, he'll include me or we'll include somebody else that's pertinent to that group. We also, that way we don't travel alone. We just put safeguards in place. But on this fraud prevention on Thursday, the thing that really caught my mind is that there are three, it's kind of like a triangle, and the pressures will be there. You're going to have the money issues, the kids, the jobs, stressors of life. Um, and there's also making it, rationalizing it in your head that you need somebody to talk to. You're not feeling great about yourself and somebody compliments you. So those instances are going to come too, but you have to safeguard yourself because the perceived opportunities come too. And that's where we need to have the support system of friends who are going to be truth tellers. They're going to tell us if um, things that we're, our actions are not adding up to what God wants them to add up to and who can help us and help us have a healthy marriage by keeping us on track also. Love that. That's good. Hey, guys, we are just about out of time. We've got two pages of notes left. So real, very, very quickly, we want to give you three practical things um, that are going to be happening here at Encounter Church to help us as couples and relationships. Uh, First up, we've got a training coming up or a retreat rather coming up. Um, Joe and Tom, would you guys talk very quickly, one minute, talk about the marriage retreat, what that looks like, um, when that's coming up and how do we get plugged into that? May 12th and 13th at the Cross Point Camp and Retreat Center, right? Is that there? Okay. Um, Our ministry, we started it a little over two years ago. Um, We are passionate about marriages thriving, as we've heard it, not surviving. And we developed this workshop over about 10 years. And we practice what we preach. Everything we do at the workshop, stuff we are actively doing. Um, It's an out-of-the-box ministry. It's an interactive, you are your own small group um, in the last two and a half years. Um, we've now hit over 100 couples. Um, we, we are so blessed to be able to share our story. We call it the story of us, but we use our story and the stories of our other leader couples to help you to step into your own story. And just for time's sake, I'm just going to read it rather than try to talk about it. It says, um, Marriage Adventure is a uniquely designed retreat for husbands and wives who may be looking for ways to take a time out from their busy schedules just for the two of you, to reconnect at that heart level like it was when you first fell in love, to learn new and meaningful ways to communicate and celebrate your one plus one plus one equals one adventure. Because no matter how many years you've been on your together journey, your own marriage adventure plays a significant role in the way that you connect, communicate, commit, and also celebrate your stories of adventure and disappointment, failures and triumphs, challenges and successes, and forgiveness and grace. 
We do limit it because it's so personalized. So if you want to come, get signed up soon. We usually end up having to close it. We will be at the table between services if you want to know more about it and give you a brochure. But we're excited to bring this workshop to our church family. So this is a minute. This is a retreat geared for Encounter Church. Yes. The 12th and 13th of the month of May. Mm-hmm. They can sign up today. We're cabinet at 15 couples. Yep. So first 15 couples, they get signed up. Cost is two ninety five. Yep. That's for the full retreat, yep. lodging, food, materials, conference, materials, everything. everything is all covered in that price. They can sign up today. They can sign up today. We have a website that you would go to do that. And if you want to come in on Thursday night, like I think we are going to do, um, you can also add that on because we will start on Friday morning at 9 a.m. Okay. at the camp. So. so they can see you at the yep. back of the lobby right after service. Yep. Now, Chris and Kim, you have a ministry that happens actually in your ministry building right behind your house, which, by the way, is a super cool building, Um, a ministry called Healthy Homes. What does that look like, and and how could a person plug into that? Well, we have uh, one one Sunday night a month. um, We have our our service night, and we'll have anywhere from 20 to 25 families, five different churches um, represented there, and we come together and we eat. And we just, and then we encourage, and then we have some fellowship and stuff like that. But uh, what our ministry is about, it's not about taking people away from a church. It's, it's giving a, a church another resource for you all to come and be encouraged and be a part of. We do worship nights. We, we do marriage counseling. My wife does life coaching. Uh, we do all sorts of things just to help that family get through. And, you know, it, it's, we've been doing this for 14 years. Um, our building, uh, we added onto my shop, and we've got one room that has uh, 15 couches in it. You're going, what do you need 15 couches for? It's for families to come and feel safe and feel comfortable with what they're doing, and they'll open up that way. Uh, we, we do this. Uh, we have different um, activities through the month and things like that, but we, we want to see ma- marriages uh, healed and homes healthy, and that's what we do. So how can a person or how can a relationship, a couple, connect with the two of you? Where could they find you after service? Um, we'll just be out in the lobby. Uh, you can get with us there. Uh, we have, uh, we're on Facebook and we're on a few of the other platforms and stuff like that. But, you know, we always say that our phone and our door are always open and always on. So that's, that's where we're at there. We want to help. Absolutely. We also have one more resource um, beginning on March the 21st. For six weeks straight, that's a Tuesday night, March the 21st, um, Tuesday for six weeks at 6.30, right upstairs, we have a marriage class that we're calling Fixer Upper. And Joe and Tom are going to be leading that class. So if you would like to be a part of the class, uh, there's no charge for the class. If you want to be a part of that, again, get signed up today. You can do that at the Connect Point, or they can see you at the table as well. So real quick, guys, as we wrap up, let me give you just a couple of key things that you can do in your relationship even now to help to begin to move forward. Number one, you got to make time for it. You've got to make time for relationship. Anything that you make a priority in your life, anything that you put time into, you're going to see results. I wonder in your life, What's first place? You see, every one of us receive 24 hours a day. We have 365 days a year. Nobody gets any more. Nobody gets any less. It's what we have. What are we going to do with that? If you look at your calendar quickly, you'll find out what's most important to you. Number two, you've got to show love and respect to your spouse. Well, pastor, they don't deserve my respect. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You've got to show them love and respect. Biblically, that's what you're supposed to do. I'm going to challenge you this afternoon. Go back and read. Read Ephesians chapter 5. Read how the Word of God lays out the responsibility of the wife, how God lays out the responsibility of the husband. What does that look like in your life? In fact, I want you to take just a moment and do a mental review of your week. How did you treat your family this week? How did you treat your spouse? How did you speak to her? How did you respond to him? What does that look like? You've got to love and respect 
your spouse. Number three, invest time in them. Well, pastor, isn't that a lot like number one? Number one was make time. Number three is invest your time. Two completely different things. I can make time for something, but if I don't do anything with it, all I've done is wasted time. Come on, let me say that again. I can make time all day long, but if I don't do anything in that process, I'm not making an advancement. I'm just wasting time. You've got to personally, intentionally move forward. You have to purpose in your mind, God, I'm going to move up this triangle toward you as I'm investing in my spouse. I'm going to move in a direction that unifies me with you, but also draws me close to my spouse as well. God, I'm going to put you at the very core of our existence. God, you're the center of our relationship. Number four, you got to pray for them. And when I say pray for them, I'm not saying, Lord, would you just make them better because they're an old, you know, whatever, you know. No, I'm saying, Lord, would you just bless them? Lord, would you help my spouse to be who you'd have them to be? Lord, not what I've got planned, not the things that I've conjured up in my mind, but Lord, you have a plan, you have a purpose, and God, I pray right now that you will help them to fall in alignment with you. Lord, as I do my best to put you at the center, as I do my best to move up this side of the triangle, Lord, help them on their daily pursuit of you to move up this side of the triangle, Lord. Help us to meet in the middle, right in your presence. Lord, help us to, to make you the very center of, of all that we say and all that we do. So what do we do this morning? Number one, you got to let go of pride. There's some of you, you're thinking in your mind, man, we got a lot of junk going on in our house, but there's no chance that I'm going to respond to an altar call. We'll deal with this at home. We'll deal with this on our own time. No, 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 no. Today is the day. Now is the moment. In just a moment, we're going to open up these altars. I'm going to have some couples come forward. In fact, I'm going to have these couples on the floor as well. And and we're going to ask you to respond and pray. And I'm going to ask you to let go of pride. Number two, I'm going to ask you to take the needed step for resolution. This is a sign. This is a, a physical sign of, Lord, today I'm drawing a line in the sand, no longer the same in our relationship. But, Lord, we're going to pursue you. Number three, responding this morning does not mean that your marriage is on the brink of destruction. Oh, it could mean that. But it could mean that I just want to make an improvement. We're not quite where we want to be. We're beginning to slide down that triangle just a little bit. So, Lord, we want to we want to kind of shimmy things up. Lord, we want to fix things so that we move up that ladder toward you before we fall to the bottom. And finally, number four, guys, I'm going to ask you to lead the way. Guys, if you know that you're in a place that your relationship with your spouse needs to improve, I'm going to ask you to grab your spouse, your wife, by the hand. I'm going to ask you to lead them. Lead your house. Would you bow your heads with me today? Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.